Hello, and it's great to have you back. I am ready for some good old-fashioned Luke today, Luke chapter 14. Are you hungry? I am. Well, I guess I'm kind of always hungry. That's what we're going to talk about today, eating. Hey, are you going to have a big feast for Christmas? What are you going to eat? Maybe have a Christmas ham? Put a turkey in the oven, some mashed potatoes and gravy. I don't care if it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July. Is there ever a bad time for mashed potatoes and gravy? I don't think there is. Mm. Well, anyway, we're talking about eating today. Not in that sense, but we're talking about feasts. We see a couple of uh, different things that Jesus is going to bring up in this feast that he is taking part of. But I think what we're going to find out first and foremost is that this is a trap. This is a trap. He is being set up. So let's take a look. But even though he's being set up, he has some words for us, words for them, words for everybody. So here we go. Luke chapter 14 as we continue on. And while we're kind of getting our minds uh, set on this, I'd again like to thank you all for just participating, for being here today. Uh, and uh, continuing to uh, enjoy interacting with some of you who are telling me you're listening and who are sharing it with others. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to, to see where we go from here. So it says on a Sabbath that the ruler of the Pharisees, so this is a higher up. Now, I don't know exactly how this worked out, but the other Sabbath controversies from earlier on have probably caught up with Jesus. And the higher-ups are now paying attention. In fact, that's exactly what it says. It says that they were watching him carefully. So I think this alludes to the fact that when we see some of these things being brought up, that there's some intentionality here. This is a setup. They're trying to figure out what Jesus is going to do. They want to trap him. (laughs) Because I love it, right? Behold, all of a sudden it seems like, behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. So there's somebody that's stationed across from Jesus who had this this illness, this disease that makes you swell up, yet continually you are thirsty, right? It's it's not a, a very good feeling. Now, it could be that this individual was a Pharisee. I was reading that uh, some of these individuals that had dropsy, they were usually the wealthier individuals. I guess they could eat a lot and do things like that, which caused the dropsy to take place. It, It could be. But after this healing takes place, we see that the man actually is sent away. So it's not like he's going to stick around for the meal. More than likely, an individual like this wouldn't have been welcomed at a table. Because the fellowship that you have with another individual was really important to you. You wanted to look good. So you would invite the people around you, not only that you knew, but that you were close to, that made your status look elevated. You'd invite the cream of the crop to your house and hoping that they would come because, of course, then if you have this association with them, people would think highly of you. And as Jesus will allude to later in the text, if you invite them, they'll have to invite you. So you kind of get yourself in this inner circle by people coming over to your house. And they've already bothered Jesus and questioned him about why he eats with sinners and tax collectors. Yet somehow this man that's really kind of unclean is there with with dropsy, this this illness. I mean, do do you really want to be associated with someone like this? But of course, Jesus responds to what? 
well, really to nothing because nobody asks him a question, but he knows what they're thinking. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? We've had this question before, haven't we? But nobody responds. No one says anything. They remained silent. Maybe you can see what's going through their mind. They're kind of thinking to themselves, let him condemn himself by what he does and what he says. The text doesn't say that, but that's kind of how I look at it. But then he asks them a question. Hey, which of you having a son, an ox, has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? Would they do that? Of course they would. Their son got stuck in a well? Wait, sorry, son. Can't help you. You got to stay there for a few more hours. Once sundown hits, Sabbath is over. Then I can come rescue you. But right now, God forbids me helping you. That's the kind of God we worship. That's ludicrous. Who would do such a thing? Nobody would. And Jesus knows that. See, you guys would deliver these animals or your son. Of course you would. Why wouldn't God deliver those whom he loves? Who are suffering, who are hurting. So, of course, right there on the Sabbath, Jesus heals this man. That's what he does. That's what he does on the Sabbath. Do you ever think about that when you go to your church? You know, our Sabbath is Sunday, right? We go to get healed. We go to hear the word that heals us. We go to receive the body and blood of Jesus that heals us. We go in the midst of the fellowship and hear the good news proclaimed to us by one another in that fellowship. It's a healing thing. God works through this situation. God works on the Sabbath. He heals us. God's always working. Well, then after this is over, Jesus continues teaching, right? Continues to uh, talk to them about parables of wedding feasts and such because he sees how everybody is sitting at these tables. Everybody is choosing their spots and trying to pick the best situation. And he gives them some advice. Hey, when you go to a wedding or a feast or any kind of situation like this, don't choose the best place. Someone else could come that could be put in that high elevated situation. Now, our day and age, we, we probably don't do this very often. When people come over to our house, we don't really have set seats. People can sit wherever they want, right? My guess is you probably are feeling the same way. I won't be offended if somebody sits where I normally sit. If I came and sat at your house, hopefully you wouldn't be offended if I sat where uh, you sit. Hey, how come you haven't invited me over to your house for supper yet? Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but but you kind of know what I'm saying. Though. We, we don't get offended by things like this. But see, in this day, where you sat, it mattered. It mattered. You wanted to have a place of authority, a place of prominence. And so you would sometimes choose these greater seats. But then what happens if somebody else comes along who really was the lead or the teacher, the one who was going to be proclaiming God's word next in the midst of this table conversation? I might have to tell you, you know, I'm sorry. Get up, move, go to the end. This person is sitting here. They're the one that's leading the conversation and the discussion. Whoops, that would make you feel pretty bad, wouldn't it? You get up and you go all the way to the low spot. Now, why is Jesus telling this story? 
Is he saying this just to give them good, solid advice? Just to keep them from being shamed if ever they're invited to attend somebody else's table fellowship? Okay, I guess, but it's a lot more than that, isn't it? I remember when Jesus is talking about stuff like this, he's usually talking about the kingdom of God too, isn't he? For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what's crazy about the kingdom of God is that everything becomes reversed. The ones that you think are going to be high are the ones that are brought down. And the ones that are low, these are the ones that get the first spot. They're lifted up. And of course, the greatest example of that is going to be Jesus on the cross, right? Where he puts himself as the lowest of the low. But then he tells another parable. He doesn't actually say it's a parable, but I think we can take it as such. Talks about an individual who invites people to the banquet, but he does this kind of referring to the individual who invited Jesus. This one is for the host more than it is for the guests. Now, I do want to mention that this individual didn't do anything sinful by inviting people over to his house. It really is okay for you to invite people that you know. That's good. But what he is saying is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's not so much focus on you and making you better and your status better. Remember, that's what they were trying to do is elevating their own status by inviting certain people over. And if you invited individuals over that maybe had a lower status, that also might say something about you. But he says, look, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. You'll be blessed. They can't repay you. But it will be remembered on the resurrection of the just. So we're talking about our Christmas dinners. Who are you going to invite to your table? Are you going to, um, I don't know, go to Walmart? Pick somebody that you don't know that really looks like they're having a hard time? You can invite them over for dinner? guy on the street? Are you going to call up that relative that you haven't talked to in years and say, you know what? Let's patch things up. Let's eat. More than likely, you are going to call the individuals that you know, the ones that you're getting along with. But what Jesus is really getting at is that we don't have to worry about us, our status, being elevated. I mean, think about that. Isn't that why Jesus came? Jesus came for the full purpose of being made low. He considered himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Isn't that what we find in the New Testament? For the full purpose of elevating us, he died so that you and I who were sinners, enemies of God, might now be called children of God, and so we are. So we don't actually have to worry about our status before God or anyone else. He has put us in this great high estate. So we don't have to worry about us anymore. Now we have the opportunity to what? Start to look to others. Our mission, our goal, our ministry is now other people. Because Jesus has us covered. The last will be first. And that is us, right? But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Who is it that we feast with when we come to the table of the altar at the Lord's Supper? 
I don't know about you, but I am sometimes very blind in terms of what I'm able to see that's good and right and salutary. Sometimes I'm crippled in the way that in my sinful nature, I don't do the good I'm supposed to do. The same with being lame and poor. See, that describes me. And yet Jesus invites me and he invites you. In the same time, as we look at other individuals, they're with us. And we look to them because we know Jesus has us covered. Well, in the midst of this dinner, somebody shouts out, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, which is true, right? I mean, when talking about fellowship, this individual knows that it's going to be great that last day in God's kingdom where everybody's going to eat and feast. Yes, that's going to be a wonderful day. Who can argue? But we have this very interesting parable where Jesus talks about a man giving a great banquet and he's inviting all of the people. The invitation's theirs, but everybody has an excuse for why they're not coming. The servant's trying to get people to come, but you know some of them have a yoke of oxen that they have to attend to. <laughs> some get married and can't come. Some bought fields. They must go out and take care of those. They want to be excused. So finally, the master says, forget it. If they don't want to be a part of this, fine. Go out, find the crippled, find the blind, find the lame, find the poor. Let those individuals come and be part of the banquet. So we know as Jesus is saying this, he's talking to the Pharisees, isn't he? The ones who are right there. You can come and be a part of the banquet, but you have other reasons for why you're not calling upon my name. And for us, the reader, I do think we're supposed to be asking, are we in? Are we welcomed? Surely we don't want to miss out on this great banquet. Well, if that's the case, then guess what? The cost of discipleship, the next section is for us, right? It says the great crowds were accompanying him. He turned and said to them, if anyone comes after me who does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. This gets tough, right? Who hates their parents? Who hates their brothers and their sisters? Well, maybe I shouldn't ask that question. There could be some that do. But what Jesus is referring to here, is he really saying that we should hate them? No. The idea is this, that He's first. You want to be a part of the banquet? What takes precedent? What takes the priority? It can't be your mother. It can't be your father. It can't be your spouse. It really cannot even be your own life. The most important thing to you is Jesus. That's really what we meant when we said that we don't have to worry about us anymore. What happens with this life? Because we know that Jesus will take care of us. Whether it's to prosper here on this earth for a little while longer, or maybe we are martyred and our life is taken from us today. Either way, we have trust in this Jesus, right? Because a paradise awaits us with a great and heavenly banquet. So friends, as we are waiting for this coming of Jesus, this advent that we are in, we do so. We wait, asking him to help us. So yes, live the life that he's called us to live, to be kind, be hospitable, to be humble, to put others above ourselves, but even more than that, to look to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one who saves us, the one who redeems us.
and we trust in him with thanksgiving, knowing full well that his blood shed for us, we will be welcomed at that eternal table in the heavenly hall with the great and wonderful banquet of our God. Let me just say, I look forward to sharing that with all of you. Mm. All right, guys, have a great day. We will see you tomorrow as we talk about Luke chapter 15. Don't get lost. Uh, Hint, 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 hint. Chapter 15.